to everybody that's in the room, and uh, I hope we are online as, as well. And uh, if we are online, we say good morning to you all uh, as well, whether you are watching live and listening uh, or whether you're joining us later on this week. Um, there's, you know, of course, there's always all kinds of places that you can find us live on a Sunday and also uh, recorded later on, not on tape, but digitally, uh, both on YouTube or Facebook or at ccmonline.org. And so folks that are online, we're super grateful uh, that you've decided to become a part of our internet our internet chapel and uh, worship and pray along with us. Uh, we'll be having a community together in a little bit. So uh, if you haven't already done so, make sure to grab your elements at home, whether it be bread and crackers and juice, whatever it is, and uh, we'll be receiving communion together. Um, you can find out all the information about what's happening in the weeks to come at Facebook on ccmonline.org, uh, and uh, you'll be able to see some slides coming up later on and how you can give online. So it's great to have you with us, and we say good morning. Well, why don't we be seated just for a moment, and uh, let's be seated just so that we can just kind of settle uh, our minds and our hearts a little bit, and in whatever way uh, that you feel most comfortable in just kind of taking a deep breath in and just resting uh, in the presence of God. Let's just do that for a moment. And just in your mind, just be thinking about the things of this past week, uh, the things that have been both joyful and the things that have been stressful. And just for a moment, just say thank you, God, for each. Thank you, God, for being with me throughout every moment of this week. Thank God, help me to see you in this next week. Help me to de- to uh, breathe in deeply your love. Help me to breathe in deeply the goodness that you have for me. And help me to see the new and the good relationships that we have and those that you're helping us to grow. And with all those things, let's rest in the presence of God. God, we're so grateful that we can gather with our friends and with our families at the beginning of the week uh, just to establish uh, even a new tone within our lives one of greater peace, one of greater love, one where we can see how you're transforming our lives for the better. God, we love you and we thank you. Amen. So this morning, uh, we're about to uh, receive communion and pray. Uh, And again, we just invite you, even as we're beginning, um, you can bring up your prayers at any point. And uh, if our uh, communion team uh, would like to come on up now, let's have them come on up. We're still going to pray together, so uh, don't get up in line or anything yet. There's no rush to the communion table. But we're going to pray, and we're going to see the goodness of our God. In this meal, and this meal is all about relationships. 
relationship with God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and with one another. So can we pray? Uh, let's pray the way... Uh, well, well, we'll hold off on that because I think that's more in the middle. I got ahead of myself. But this morning, uh, as we celebrate the sacrament of communion together, we're reminded of the love of Christ and the desire that Jesus had that we remember the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus every time we celebrate together. And as our team gets ready to lead us, let us prepare our hearts and continue to quiet the noise of the week and start this week by saying, Jesus, we remember you. Can we say that together? Jesus, we remember you. And let's pray together in the way that Jesus taught us to pray. And I just invite you to whether you want to stay seated and restful as you pray this, or if you want to stand with us and pray, uh, whichever way you prefer. And we're going to pray uh, the, the Lord's Prayer, the Our Father. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory now and forever. Amen. And so... Why don't we stand together? We know that Jesus, with his friends around the table, with a loaf of bread and the cup of wine, he took the bread and he broke it and said, this bread is as my body. And whenever you eat this together, you do this in remembrance of me. So why don't we say together, Jesus, we remember you. Jesus, we remember you. And then taking the cup, he blessed it and said, take this and pass it among you. As for me, I'll not drink wine again until the kingdom of God arrives. And Jesus took the cup after supper and said, this cup, is the new covenant which is poured out for you. When you drink this cup, drink it in my memory. And together we say, Jesus, we remember you. And so friends, we invite you to come up. Uh, if you'd like to come up front and receive communion, you can. Or you can go to the back and the cups with the bread and the juice are back there. We also invite you to bring your prayers, uh, and our friend AJ uh, will read the prayers of the people with us as those come up. Lord, we pray for the people in need and want. We pray for the Snyder family and all who loved Jack Snyder. for all who have lost their loved ones. 
Justin and Nicole and all their struggles. Prayers for all who don't know you, Lord Jesus. Soften my heart. Let me see what is mine to do. We pray for healing and peace for the friends family. And pray for all struggling with health issues. Trisha's complete healing and pray for Jeff, Lynn, Pam, Tammy, Dad, Uncle Terry, and my precious children and grandchildren. Pray for Al who has lung cancer. Lord, we lift up these prayers to you. You know the spirit of those who write, you know those who hold prayers in their hearts that weren't said today. We pray that we may we may join with you and with the rest of our communion. and as our kids continue to worship and learn, let's pray for the kids and let's pray for the teachers and all those who are about to uh, go on upstairs for Kids Church. And also pray for our offering as we're uh, about to give. Uh, you'll see uh, a slide behind me, um, as we don't have Next Steps news today, a slide that will show you how you can give if you'd like to give online. Otherwise, you can give into the baskets that are up here in front. But let's pray and let's thank God for our continued worship as the kids go up and as we give into the offering. God, we thank you. God, we're, we're grateful that you are our friend and God, that you bring us into places where we can find friends that help us grow and learn and develop. And God, we know that uh, the, the kids, as they go upstairs to Children's Church, that there's a, that's their, their place even today where they grow with their friends. They learn from adults that love you, O oh God, and love them as well. So God, we pray that you bless them, protect them, protect each teacher uh, and each assistant today. And God, we pray for this offering with grateful hearts. God, thanking you for this summertime, thanking you for families, for friends, and thanking you for the work that you're continuing to do through this church and churches throughout the world. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. God, would you breathe on us today? God, we thank you for this time to align with you in worship, and we 
Just pray that we could receive the healing that you call us friends. God, no idea, no concept, no right thinking can do what you can do when you breathe on us. God, I pray for those of us who feel like we just need heaven to come to earth. We need everything to change in your name today, Jesus. God, I pray that you would feel present and close to those who are longing for the change that only you can bring. God, we pray that your breath would fill us and that we would go out and share that breath with our community. God, we are so grateful to know what your breath and your presence feel like in our life. And God, may we feel that alive today and this week and every moment as we continue to walk with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, good morning, everybody. Happy summer. I am very excited to have arrived at summer. <laughs> and today, um, we're going to start a new series called Great Together. And Anthony, do you have my slides back there? Perfect. Thank you. <laughs> if you could just follow along with me, that'll be awesome. Um, so um, our new series is called Great Together. We're going to be talking about relationships um, and we will talk about our relationship with God, but we're mainly focusing on our relationship with other people and how that is necessarily tied to our relationship with God. In scripture, over and over again, and especially Jesus, the person of Jesus, makes it really clear that there is no way to love God without loving other people. And we're not always great at it. So we thought we'd take the summer to talk about how we can do better <laughs> and just to focus and savor on those relationships that are drawing us closer to the person of Jesus. Those people who show us what the presence of Jesus feels like in our life. And so I want to thank Brenda Zwicky and Stacy for working on our sermon series art. I will say I plopped this title into it, so everything else that's beautiful uh, is their artwork. Um, we hope that this summer feels fun, that it feels easy breezy in some ways, um, but also that we can focus on the relationship that started before us all, this relationship with the Trinity that we enter into um, as a community. So I want to start by pointing out what might feel obvious to us, that relationships are stabilizing, healing, powerful forces that help our lives and our whole world to progress. And I was thinking about this, like, I can't think of an example, and you could tell me after probably of some example, but I can't think of a story, a movie, a book, where the plot progresses without relationships. Even that one Sandra Bullock movie where George Clooney, like, they're, like, off floating and they don't talk. Um, like, they have relationships in their life, right, that ground them and move them and motivate them, right? Um, we need relationships to move the plot forward in our lives. So this is all true in our history of the world. You can think of great wars or great uh, resolution that happened because of relationship. It's true in the story of our faith, and we're going to spend a lot of time talking about how we see this in Scripture. Um, and it's also true in our applied faith, right? In our own lives, this is something that is integrated into all of us. So I want to start by focusing on relationships that work. I want you to bring to mind um, someone who you would consider maybe your most trusted person. So whoever popped into your mind, I want you to think about how you met them. Um, maybe it's your parent, so that you don't really know. <laughs> but maybe it was kindergarten, maybe it was yesterday. Where did you meet that person? What did you go through together, right? The things that we go through with people really define our relationship with them. Um, 
and what are maybe what's maybe your favorite place to be with that person? Um, when I think about my favorite place to be with my family, we're on the um, shore of Lake Superior on a rocky beach. AJ's like far away looking at rocks or something, and Miles is sitting right next to me while I read a book. And I often picture this place with Jesus, too, when I do imaginative prayer or um, picture what Jesus would have to say to our family. These places that we feel safe with this person is very different than another person, right? Um, I when I bring to mind some of my other most trusted people, like a fraternity house comes to my mind because that was the place that we became friends or spent a lot of time together, right? It's funny how relationships and places go together. And then what did you learn from that person? Um, when I think about some of my most trusted people, um, growing up I had a friend who was much, much quieter than I uh, you might have noticed I'm a little bit talkative, so having someone who didn't talk back all the time was like really healing for me, <laughs> right? Um, so what did you learn either through a direct thing that person told you or through their presence um, that was stabilizing to you? And then I just want to pause and think about how did that person make you feel, right? Maya Angelou says that we don't always remember what people say or do, but we remember how they made us feel. And I want you to bring to mind what it feels like to be in the presence of that person, what that safety and security feels like, and just hold on to it for a few seconds. This is the power of relationships. And when I think about why that matters, I think about how I feel like Jesus looks at me. And it's kind of a compilation of the people who look at me with the kindest, safest, most secure presence, my grandma, Scott and Claire, right? These people who can look at you and everything just kind of pauses, um, teaches us how Jesus looks at us, right? And so we learn about God and we learn about people at the same time. And as we talk about relationships, I want you to be able to focus on a healthy one because it's easy for us to bring to mind the ones that aren't healthy right now, right? And the goal is to have more healthy, healing, vibrant relationships that show us what the image of God looks like more and more. And I want to um, share a little bit about a couple of my friends um, who have been in relationship with me in a way that works right now. I have a picture of my friends Kelly and Lindsay, um, and they're holding my baby Miles. And um, we recently had a conversation on Kelly's birthday, the day this picture was taken, about how grateful we are for our friendship. And they said, you know, we're really glad that when you became a mom, you didn't like disappear. Like we kind of thought we'd never see you again. And I was like, well, that's kind of hard to do when you show up at my house every day. <laughs> like you have adjusted your life to fit with mine at 5.30 p.m. We go on a walk almost every day. And it's incredible to have people who continue to build trust with you that way, right? Brene Brown is a leading researcher uh, in trust, and she talks about how trust is like a marble jar, which is a tool that a lot of teachers use in their classrooms right now, where when students behave well or do things that builds trust in the classroom, they put a marble in. And when students do things that are clearly against the rules and violate that trust, a marble gets taken out, right? And Brene Brown talks about marble jar friends and people who have put in the trust, they've earned it with you, right? Um, and she asked her young daughter at the time, you know, who are your marble jar friends? And she could name the things that her friends did to build that trust over time. And every day when Kelly and Lindsay show up at my house, they add a marble to the jar, right? And that feeling of safety and security and trust 
um, works for us. And I think it's hard for us sometimes to think about how do I find friends like that? How do I find these people, especially in times when we're feeling lonely, who I can trust that way? But it only happens one action at a time, right? Um, so this summer, we're going to talk a little bit about what are some really concrete things that you can do to show up for people that might not feel like a big step, but really are um, the little things that build relationships. And this is really important because this year, the Surgeon General of the United States issued um, an advisory on the healing effects of social connection and community and declared a loneliness epidemic. Um, the United States and places all over the world are lonelier than they've ever been before. And Dr. Vivek Murthy talked about how when he became Surgeon General for the first time in 2014, he did a listening tour of the United States. He didn't consider loneliness a public health issue. And people didn't name that they were lonely when they talked to him, right? They said, I feel like I have to bear all of my problems on my own. I don't know who I can call when I don't know what to do. They name other things, right? Because loneliness is kind of a hard feeling to identify. Um, but as he started to deeply research this, it's really concerning. <laughs> and our social infrastructure has changed so much as our global connection has increased, our local connection has decreased. We know less and less of the people who make our food, who make our clothes, right? There's not a relationship. I recently started the new show on Netflix called Blockbuster. It's about the last blockbuster on earth. And they... Um, talk about the importance of the person who rents that video to you after your breakup, right? Having that interaction and saying, what movie should I watch with a person is different than doing it with an algorithm, right? It's less convenient. It's more vulnerable, <laughs> but it's meaningful in some sort of way. And in 2018, according to the report, only 16% of Americans felt that they were very attached to their local community, which is extremely decreasing over the last 50 years. Um, and it's interesting how that correlates with the lack of participation in faith-based organization and other local organizations, right? Like it could be a rotary club or whatever. <laughs> um, but we're less and less likely to join these organizations out of fear of being burnt by community. And because of that, we feel less and less connected to our local community. We have less and less places to make these connections, um, which leads to some really scary health effects. Um, on the next slide, there is a... Um, graphic that talks about how lacking social connection is as dangerous as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. And it lists on here things that um, impact your likelihood of having um, like chronic health issues. Um, smoking up to 15 cigarettes a day, drinking six alcoholic drinks daily, obesity, air pollution, all of these things are less dangerous for us than feeling chronically lonely. And in the same way that hunger and thirst are supposed to just be indicators of how we act, right? Loneliness is also supposed to just tell us to go talk to somebody, right? To like be more connected. But chronic loneliness is so difficult to break and it has such important impact on our physical health. So I wanna talk about this summer, how was the church uniquely designed to meet our relational needs? Because I think it's interesting that faith-based organizations um, and participation in them is connected to how lonely you feel. And I think that the church uniquely in the way of Jesus is we are equipped to meet the relational needs of people in ways that other organizations might not be. So we're going to talk today about kind of the story of the Bible, the big picture story of the Bible, and how relationships work throughout 
the whole story arc of the Bible. And then this summer, I and a bunch of other speakers are going to talk about specific things within that big story um, that equip us um, to better relate to each other. So starting with creation, it's very clear that relationships are important. The Trinity is a relationship. In the first few verses, we see three people working together to create the universe. And the, uh, theologian and philosopher Martin Buber talks about how in the beginning was the relationship is what we see in the passage about creation. And he says it's so important because it establishes an I and thou relationship um, with people and God instead of an I-it relationship. When we treat people as subjects instead of objects, a lot changes, right? And the fact that we are a subject to God and God is a subject to us, that we relate to God as another person is critical to our story as Christians. And then it says that we, that we were made in their image, in our image we created them. So we're meant to enter into this community. We weren't made because God was lonely and needed a friend. God already had friends. They were already in community. And we are designed to join that community. And by Genesis 2, it already says it's not good for a man to be alone. It didn't take us very long to figure out that just having a relationship with God is still not good. We also need other people in our life to relate with. And God does something about that and creates another person in Genesis 2. And then in the Old Testament, we see a ton of examples of um, relationships and how people are relating to each other in their culture. We see Abraham and Sarah set out from Ur with great faith. And then when bumps kind of happen, when they're a little shaken, they do things that hurt each other. They, um, you know, have a king or a pharaoh ask, you know, is this... You're like, can I marry your wife? And he's like, oh, it's my sister, <laughs> right? There are ways that when our faith in God is shaken, we start to see people hurt each other. Um, we see the leadership of Moses and the friendship he had with God and how critical that was to his ability to lead people well. We see Hannah's longing for a son, this relational desire um, that is so beautiful, that brings her to God. Um, and eventually she receives that son. We see Ruth and Naomi navigating a culture where they um, are both recently widowed and they have to figure out how their relationship are, is going to work with each other, let alone everybody else. Um, and then we see D King David, um, who is a man after God's own heart. He's kind of the hero of the Old Testament in so many ways, but he has so many people calling out the best in him. He has people who call him out when he sins. He has people who are friends to him in ways that build bridges, like Nathaniel and Jonathan. He has four wives who do this work with him and give him political connections. And he is the granddaughter of Ruth. And Samuel, the prophet, is the son of Hannah, and Samuel the prophet is the one who calls out David. It's all this relational web, right, that makes it possible for people to have this relationship with God and for the plot of the Old Testament to progress. And what we see throughout the Old Testament, too, is that as much as people are learning how to navigate relationship with God and others, the cycle's like kind of broken. The same thing keeps happening um, people keep hurting people. People can't figure out what to do with God. So much so that God decides to intervene by sending his son, right? And I find it fascinating that God is like, what should I do 
to help people, I should send God as a person so that I can show them how to relate to God as a person and I can show them how to relate to each other as a person. The person of Jesus teaches us so much about how people are supposed to relate to other people. And it defies all of the expectations that people have about how God relates to people and how people ought to relate to each other. People are so confused by the ways that Jesus is showing up. And we're going to look at two passages today um, where Jesus talks about how essential to our relationship with God it is for us to relate well to other people. Um, And in these passages, people are very confused by what he has to say. So the first one we're going to look at is Matthew 22, 34 through 40. And this takes place during Holy Week. The Pharisees and Sadducees are trying to trap Jesus, get him to say something incriminating. Um, They've asked him a lot of super specific questions. And now they're asking him this like really big question um, to try to see, you know, if by asking him what's most important, he might throw away something um, and give something away that they could deem heretical. So in the passage, it says, hearing that Jesus was silenced, had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. And I think it's fascinating. I don't know if you've ever had kind of like a theological, like mind-blown moment or somebody says something and you're like, I've never heard that before. And I'm an Enneagram 6, so sometimes I'm a little skeptical. And I, um, when somebody says, gives like a hot take, I'm kind of like assuming they're wrong, you know? (laughs) Like I can find a flaw with this new idea, I'm sure. And I just wonder how the Pharisees felt in this moment where they're like, well, we didn't think... Like, what about all these other laws that don't fit into this, how I think you think this fits into it? Like, there's a skepticism, I think, for people who are looking for Jesus to be wrong. But there's this other feeling that I get sometimes when somebody says something, and I'm just so relieved, right? I'm like, that's so much simpler, Jesus. Thank you. (laughs) Like, there are all of these rules. There are thousands of rules, and Jesus says all of them hang on these two commandments. And if you've ever had one of those moments of just relief, I can imagine so many people experiencing that as Jesus connects these two things, that we love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and we love our neighbor as ourself. And the fact that Jesus chose to say the second is like it connects these two things in a really powerful way. And the next passage we're going to look at is John 15, 12 through 17. Um, This also takes place during the story of Holy Week um, as but it's with Jesus' disciples. And he's trying to explain to them, like, how relationship with God works (laughs) and how it's different than what they think. So he uses this beautiful analogy of how um, he is the vine and they are the branches. And if we remain in the love of God, we will bear fruit. And then he goes on um, after saying that we already have God's love. We just need to remain there. And as long as we stay where we are, planted and present to the love of God, these beautiful things will happen. And the fruit he's actually referring to is that our joy will be made complete. Um, And that the fruit of 
the things we pray for, God will give us because we'll be so aligned with the will of God that we will be asking for the things of God, right? So that's where we're in this story when Jesus says this. My command is to love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. So just breathe in the healing power of being called a friend of God, that we are not servants, that in the story of the Old Testament, right, that's how we're trying to relate to God. It's not working. Instead, Jesus offers us this new way where we don't have to question if God is withholding from us. We don't have to question if God has some secret knowledge over there that, like, we're never going to get to know and we're just a part pawn in the whole game. No, Jesus is allowing us in, and the more present we are to the presence of God in our life, the more we can know everything that the Father has planned for us. And when we do that, the command is to love each other. And I don't know about you, but I kind of um, struggle with the language of you're my friend if you do what I command. (laughs) I almost like didn't include this passage because it like feels really wrong to me because I don't think that's like how friendship works. I would never say that to Kelly or Lindsay, right? Like you're my friend if you do what I command, show up at my house every day at 530. Um, But what I love about this Greek word for command, which is in Ptolemy, is that um, it also means to enjoin. So we are both ordered to do this thing by Jesus. That's still a very true part of what the Greek is saying. But as we do what, we command, what is commanded, we are enjoined to God, that we actually become more one with God as we follow the commands of God. And that as we follow this command, it's a part of remaining in the branch, right? It's a part of receiving the nourishment. And we cannot remain in the presence of God and receive that nourishment without loving each other. And I think it's funny that Jesus says it twice. Like, it's at the beginning of what we read. It's at the end of what we read. (laughs) We have to do this in order to remain present to the love of God. So this graphic is something that I just made on Canva. But um, I think this part of love each other as I have loved you in John 15, 12 is so important as we understand that we love each other horizontally and we love God vertically, right? Um, But the command is how we stay at the heart of those things, right? We stay connected to God and to each other as we follow the command to to love one another. And we're going to get into a lot in this series. Um, How do we love each other? Like, what does that mean? How do we do it better? Um, But today I just hope that you see that Jesus provides a really unique approach and a different way of thinking about Um, how we connect relationship with God, with relationship with people. And the church is uniquely equipped for that. So the rest of the Bible, the New Testament, is really just trying to figure out how do we actually do the things that Jesus talked about, right, (laughs) as a community. Because in communities, problems come up, unexpected things happen. I think it's so funny that in Acts 2, the first part of the um, New Testament after the Gospels, the Holy Spirit comes at Pentecost, The people are sharing everything in common. They're breaking bread. It's beautiful. It's so ideal. And then other people start joining them, and problems come up. 
over and over and over again for over 2,000 years now. So we are still in that story <laughs> of things coming up, of trying to resolve and decide what it means to love each other in this moment as a community that is full of people who are trying their best. So as a recap of kind of all of the Bible and what we talked about with relationships, um, I used this diagram in uh, the story of the Bible series last summer and I'm going to return to it because it's just so easy to see the story that we were created in perfect relationship with God, perfect relationship with each other, perfect relationship with the world. And as sin enters the world, all of that gets murky. We, don't, we know less and less about how to relate to God, how to relate to others, how to relate to the world as the world becomes more corrupt. But Jesus entered into the middle of all of that and gave us a completely new approach to how we ought to relate to each other. And so even though we still live in a world that is fractured and broken, we have a new way of doing things. And then when the Holy Spirit comes to us in this bottom left world, we are sent out to be the people who teach people what the love of God feels like, to be that gaze and that presence that brings people to know that the gaze and presence of Jesus is more loving, more kind, and more thoughtful than they ever could have dreamed. So to go back to what the Surgeon General had to say about the loneliness epidemic, um, he had three suggestions, particularly during COVID, about how um, we should connect. Like, what do we do in this time where we can't be together? And I think it's so interesting how simple his recommendations are. His first is to spend 15 minutes a day in conversation with no distractions and intentional eye contact. Um, and he was like, Zoom is fine. Like, you can do this over Zoom. But put away your phone for 15 minutes and have a conversation with someone who's really paying attention to you. And he brought up a good point that when he was first Surgeon General, it wasn't that he didn't have people he could call, it's that he wasn't calling them, right? Um, and so think about the impact of having that 15 minutes of undistracted time and presence with another person. And then he was like, it sounds counterintuitive when you feel alone, but solitude is so important that when we spend time alone and we learn to like ourselves, we actually are more present when we bring that 15 minutes a day to someone. Solitude is so important to becoming less lonely. And then service. Um, once again, he was like, it's counterintuitive when you feel like you have nothing left and no one's giving anything to you. But the worth that you feel when you show up in a relationship offering something to something else is something that cannot be replicated by any other kind of interaction that people can have. And I love in the report that he wrote, he talks about, um, you know, well, what can I do? And he has specific recommendations for faith-based organizations, for different groups in society. How, what can we do? But he said to the individual, each of us can start now in our own lives by strengthening our connections and relationships. Our individual relationships are an untapped resource, a source of healing, hiding in plain sight. They can help us live healthier, more productive, and more fulfilled lives. Answer the phone call from a friend. Make time to share a meal. Listen without the distraction of your phone. Perform an act of service. Express yourself authentically. The keys to human connection are simple, but they are extraordinarily powerful. And so this summer, we want to give you some opportunities to do this. Um, in our Great Together series, we're going to have summer Great Together events, like Get Together, but they're going to be great. And we have had um, some people offer to host some Get Togethers at their house, in a park, 
anywhere. There's seven, seven different events that we have right now where you can go play pickleball. You could go to a bonfire. Um, but how do you start to build some marbles in a jar, right? And I think it's particularly important as we think about the church um, that we have these relationships across just like little pockets, right? It's so easy for us to have our friends that we show up and we say hi to, but how do we create a space where people feel seen and included, even if they're not in one of those pockets, right? We have to start showing up for each other and keep showing up for each other in these meaningful ways. So... If you want to follow this QR code, there are seven different events that have um, like between six and 12 people kind of a size so that people actually get to know each other. Um, and Jill is also in the back with a sign-up sheet if you don't want to use the QR code. Um, but we're going to take the next three minutes um, to check out the events, see if any of them will work for you. And as we do that, we're going to watch this video of my friend Kelly Finn talking about how important her relationships in the church, specifically here at Crossroads, have been to her connection with God. So go ahead and hey, play Crossroads that. Crossroads family. So I have been thinking about relationships and in particular relationships here at Crossroads and what that has meant to me in my own life. And so for me, I think relationships have been everything here. Um, when I came to Crossroads for the first time a few years ago, I hadn't been in a church in something like nine years or so for a whole variety of reasons and I was pretty curious about how it would feel and I just remember being so welcomed by people here not only on that first day but then over the last few hey, years. That's great. Um, people here are so authentic and real and willing to admit that they don't know everything and I find that so refreshing. Um, not only in a church setting, but just in the world. I think it's pretty rare to find people who are willing to connect and be honest about the stuff that has gone on in their life, whether it's good stuff or bad stuff, tough things, um, and the joyous moments too. And to me, uh, people here are the people who are really showing me the face of God and not only the love of God, but also the love of God in action, right? Like, it's more than just talking about things or being able to recite scripture, but it's about how we show up and love each other. And I felt nothing but that type of love in action over the last couple of years here. Um, it doesn't mean anyone here is perfect. We all know that. I'm certainly not. But I think the, the really amazing thing is that we're willing to be honest about our own challenges and the stuff that we're working through and that just feels like real love to me um, and so what I've been able to experience here in relationships really are the reason why I have a relationship with God today because I think it's so powerful for Christ follower followers to really show up for people in real tangible authentic ways and that's what I see in this community so whether you know it or not, you all have been transformational in my life, and I know in the lives of many others, and I am just super grateful for that because I really think relationships are God's gift to us on this earth because it is the way that we get to experience God here. So thanks for being you. You have meant a lot to me over the last few years. And all right. Well, thank you to Kelly, and thank you, Hannah, for... Uh, 
uh, beginning this series, and she's going to continue to take us through some things that are going to be super helpful ways for us to learn how to grow relationships with one another, to grow the church, and just to grow our families and our friendships. So um, we're just grateful for Hannah, grateful for all the people that will be bringing those up. So uh, before the team begins to play the song Friend again, we'll go back to that one. I want to have my friend Charles Theodorovich come up. Uh, who's going to bring our blessing to us for the day as we go forth this week. And so um, we'll just listen and we'll respond to the things that Hannah has taught us, told us about New Testament relationships and the way our relationships can continue to grow. And Charles will bless us. So why don't we stand up? So what a message, um, and I think we've already been blessed, right, uh, with, with the words that uh, Hannah has shared with us today. Have you ever um, seen somebody where uh, they, in a group, or you're out with them, or um, there's just people around, like in a restaurant or a shopping mall or whatever? I have a brother-in-law who considers no one a stranger. Sometimes you're looking for him, and he's over-talking to somebody in a corner or another table or something like that. I'm not like that. You see a lot of people that look reserved. A lot of people think I'm reserved. And, um, that may not be the case. They may be just waiting for someone to come and speak to them. Um, so one of the things I do, and I just do it automatically. I don't really know why. I guess that's not a good testimony. But I'm hoping that it's because God is in my life. But when I'm walking around a shopping center or a restaurant or especially in a, um, like Meyer or a store like that, when I walk by somebody, I try to catch their eye. And when I do, I, I smile. See? And, but it's interesting to see the response. So that's one little bullet point I wanted to throw out there. The other one is when I um, encounter people that I don't know, like we just had some estimates from different people that came to the house to give us an estimate on a certain thing. And people want to be noticed. People want to have conversation. I've, I've found that over the years. So if you just open the door, it's amazing. I love to, I'm, a, I'm a listener. I'm not necessarily a speaker, but I'm a listener. I don't know if people detect that or what, but I've found that when you open the door to conversation, it just flows out of the other person. So I just, I just wanted to add those couple of things, not to, um, not to uh, overshadow what Hannah's been telling us because it's true. God loves us. He's built into us the ability to have something to do with somebody else. And so we need to take the blessing that we've received today in this message as we go out today and into the into the rest of the world, wherever we go, whatever we do. So remember, God loves you. He's your friend. He knows your name. Take that and use it the way God wants you to. God bless you all. See you next week. Thank you so much, everybody. God bless you. It's been